Welcome to episode 225 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Wow, we've done 225 episodes and I've made zero dollars in doing this for almost two years now. I think it's been over two years now. Um, but it's a Sunday morning. Bubba is fed. He's walked. Brenda's looking for a brunch spot. And I got nothing better to do than talk about pinball with you guys. But we're going to have a good episode. Lots to talk about on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We're going to go down what's happening at Stern, Jersey Jack, um, Highway Pinball, Dutch Pinball. And then I want to read more of your top three themes that you guys want to see made into pinball machines because apparently some of you guys missed the cut and still wanted to tell me your dream theme. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. So where should we begin? Where should we begin on episode 225? Let's start out with Jersey Jack Pinball because I think this is an important update. I reached out to Eric, the designer of the game, and I said to him flat out, are the rumors true that this game is coming out in late August? Because a lot of people, or August in general, a lot of people have been saying late summer is when Pirates of the Caribbean is going to go on the production line. I think some rumors were happening uh, that stated Christmas was when this game was coming out. And all of a sudden, uh, a lot of uh, uh, sort of fears started to creep into people that they were going to have to wait a really long time. And we even reported that August was the date that the game was coming out. Now, I'm here to tell you, I've reached out to Eric, and he said those rumors are 100% false, that the production line for Pirates of the Caribbean will be happening far sooner than August. So uh, what does that mean? It, it sounds like he's going out there in May to get the line going. So I think we're going to see Pirates of the Caribbean probably, I would say, in June. You know, So it's like a couple months earlier, which is still like not... Q1, like they initially said, but I think we're going to see Pirates of the Caribbean come out in you know May, June. And that's a good thing because I think that's also where we're going to start to see uh, lots of Iron Maidens go out. And I do think that uh, Jersey Jack needs to get Pirates of the Caribbean out in the summertime and early summer at that. So I just want to clarify for those of you waiting that your Pirates of the Caribbean will not be an August or fall thing. It will be something that will happen um, in early summer, which is, which is, which is, you know, which is different. All right. What else is going on? So there's, there was a thread that was posted that was interesting and it was, um, it was about distributors marking up the prices of uh, LE machines, new in box that are in demand. And they must be talking about Iron Maiden pinball. And I want to just talk about my point of view on a pinball distributor, knowing they have a really hot game that more people want than there is a supply of, and should that distributor be allowed to charge more than Stern's manufacturer suggested retail price, okay? Now look, there's the key word in every price set by the manufacturer is suggested retail price. Now of course, um, if there's more demand than supply, a distributor could easily charge more money than what Stern says the game is worth. So let's take Iron Maiden, for example. Stern sets the MSRP at $8,995. Now, 500 of them will be available, and they sold out in three hours. Now, that means if you really wanted one, uh, you, you now can't get one. Now, if a distributor said, look, uh, because of the high demand, I'm going to do a market-adjusted price, 
um, and I'm going to set it at $10,000 or maybe even $11,000. Now, picture this scenario. A distributor says, I have an LE Iron Maiden available and it's $11,000. I think that pin would sell. Now, the other side of the coin is if you want to build long-term loyalty with a customer base, price gouging doesn't help. It, it never does. We, I see it all the time in the auto industry. When a hot car comes out, everyone wants to charge over sticker. And I always do think that when you pay over sticker for anything, you will always get burned. There's, I, I really don't think it's worth it because once you start going like 11, you know, 10, 11, $12,000 on an Iron Maiden LE, you're never going to get your money back on that kind of purchase price. Now, uh, 500 too, it, it, you know, Iceman says this all the time. It's not that limited. It's not. It's not 50. It's not 80. It's 500 of these things. And I think we're going to see people flip Iron Maiden LEs for a little bit of a nice profit. Now, I have to be honest. In full transparency, I tried to get an Iron Maiden LE. And if I got an Iron Maiden LE, I would have flipped it. Because I do love flipping pinball machines and making a, a, a quick grand or two or three without even having to do any work. Now, you know, and it's the thing is like these, these distributors, they watch guys like me do that. And shouldn't they be able to put some of that money in their pocket? Now they don't. And, and you know, they let, they let customers do that. Um, but I, I believe in capitalism. I believe in, in, you know, when a distributor buys a game, it's their game. They can do what they want with it. Now it's your decision as a buyer um, whether or not you will support someone who does that. Now, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's just normal, everyday, you know, supply and demand at, at, at play here. Here's the thing though. Here's the thing. I think it's always a good thing when a pinball machine sells out quickly. It's always a good thing when a machine has a lot of hype and a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm around it. I want pinball machines uh, for the amount of money they are. I think almost every new pinball LE should be something that we would want to buy and sell out sight unseen. Be again, because I just think they're so expensive that every machine should be magical. So I'm happy that the Iron Maiden response is, is that positive, right? It's a good thing. It's a really good thing. All right. So speaking of Stern, let's stay on Stern and Iron Maiden for a little bit. Um, we are still waiting to see what the premium and the LE of the machine is. It sounds like Jack Danger is teasing out that something will take place this Tuesday. And the rumor is that he's going to show off the Iron Maiden premium for the first time. So that is exciting. Some people have been playing the pro and there was some gameplay footage and the, sort of like the, the quick takeaway and the sort of the feedback people have been giving uh, is the following. The game is a lot of fun. There's a lot to do in the game. Um, the ramp shots are, are a little difficult to hit. So there's going to take some practice here. This is going to be a game I think that's going to make you a better pinball player, which is a good thing. One thing that I was a little sort of disappointed in is that center ramp shot. It seems like it's just a target up there. I don't think that's a magnet that grabs the ball a la Lord of the Rings and sort of freezes the ball there. I, I might be wrong on that, but I definitely didn't see that happening on the pro at all. And the ball sort of just hits that target and just falls down. Uh, I would have liked to have seen something a little bit more magical happening back there. Uh, but again, we'll see what, what extra goodies get added into the premium. I think a lot's going to be on the premium that's not on the pro. I think you guys are um, going to be in for a treat when you see what's 
in on Iron Maiden Premium NLE. All right. But still, very early on with this game. All right. I, I saw in the, I was in the, I, you know, I got so bored that I went into the Guardians of the Galaxy thread. And you, that's where, like, I go and there's, like, I'm really, 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 like, got nothing else to do. Um, it sounds like the new code is making the game more fun. But I have to say this. I do think that the hype and the attention around Guardians is just gone. I mean, to me, this title just feels like it came and went. There wasn't much enthusiasm. It just goes to show when you launch a game in, with such poor code, uh, it's really hard to get the excitement back. And, and I don't think we're going to get anywhere near the level of coding genius in this game as like Lyman Sheets is bringing to Batman. So I think Guardians is just going to end up being like a really solid B title for Stern. Uh, but I just, you know, I don't think we're ever going to see like the LEs of Guardians of the Galaxy sold out. And I, 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 I don't know. It just to me, I just feel like I just don't I can't get excited again for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, people who own the game will try and go into the threads and be like, now the game's awesome. But you know what? I think the ship has sailed on Guardians of the Galaxy a little bit. I think Stern has learned a lesson and, and that's why we're getting a lot more. Something that I want to, uh, you know, here's the thing. And I keep hearing some people, you know, talking about this and they, they'll, they'll Facebook chat me, they'll send me emails that do you think that Iron Maiden is Stern turning the corner and putting more into pinball machines or do you think Iron Maiden is a sort of like a fluke, you know, a little bit of a one-off by Stern and here's what, I, you know, you could look at it this way, that Keith Elwin designed this game, it was a passion project of his and Stern is basically making Keith Elwin's game. If Keith Elwin was making this game from the ground up at Stern, would it have so much in it? And was Stern able to save a lot of money on R&D costs by just simply buying something that was already designed? Um, will we see this level, this level of uh, you know uniqueness and this level of creativity and this level of differentiation um, in, in forward stern machines. Like when we see Deadpool, when we see Munsters, are we gonna see more parts bin games or are we gonna, you know, with open play fields or are we gonna see something that, you know, is more Iron Maiden-like? Um, I don't know, I don't know. I can tell you because I've seen what's next on one title that I do think Maiden is gonna be a little bit of on a you know a level above what you're gonna see from the next title i i do think maiden is gonna be a special game i i, I don't think we're gonna see something quite like this um in the next couple games from stern now I, I hope i'm wrong i haven't really seen anything final on any of the future titles i've just seen some very preliminary stuff um but that's a question i have for you guys like do you think maiden is going to be the new bar or do you think it's going to be like kind of like a one-off passion project that that is just being made at stern so hit me up at canada pinball at gmail.com i would love to hear your thoughts on that all right let's keep going because we got a lot we got a lot um so there was a steve ritchie video on dimpling on youtube that i watched it was about a minute and 40 seconds long he's there on camera he's wearing his, his black glasses and, you know, I, I listened to the whole thing. And I have to say this. I think Dimplegate is the most annoying and ridiculous and over-discussed topic in all of pinball. It usually falls into something like this. 
where people with dimples on their machines um, complain that this is a new phenomenon, that Stern is using cheaper wood and cheaper clear coating methods. And then people without dimples on their machine say that, you know what, like the games were better back in the day and, and, and you know, the, the, the methods have changed into making these play fields. And I just have to say, look, enough already. Pinball dimpling happens, all right? Some games, it's worse than others. There are different, you know, methods for clear coating. There are different woods that are used when they use these, make these play fields. Not everything comes from the same batch. Now, here's the thing. I don't think anyone likes dimpling at all, right? I know I've never heard anyone is like, you know, I really love the fact that my, my play field looks like a moon crater face. You know, I, I love it. Like more, more the merrier. I also don't think that like dimples like smooth out over time. Like, man, I got so many goddamn dimples on my machine. I can't wait. Just give it enough time, man. And those dimples are going to smooth on out. I've never seen that happen either. Um, it's universally something that nobody really likes. So that's why I'm always like, why not alleviate the pain or the aggravation that dimpling causes some of you and just put in a playfield protector from day one, all right? Those playfield protectors from Germany, I think are great. Now, you know who's not a fan is our friend Iceman of the show because Iceman says like they're stupid and he, this is his explanation. Pinball was meant to have a ball rolling over wood. And when you put those dumb playfield protectors, it's not that anymore. And Ice, I hate to break it to you, but the pinball is not rolling over wood in any of these new games. The pinball is rolling over the clear coat, which is on top of the wood, okay? And look, the pinball machines are designed for the pinball to roll over a flat surface. They use wood as that flat surface, but wood is probably not the best surface um, to use to remain completely flat over time, especially when a steel ball is, is constantly coming in contact with it, okay? And a playfield protector keeps the game perfectly flat, perfectly smooth, and I've had it on my Batman now, and I've had probably maybe 500, 800 plays on my machine. Game plays super, super smooth, super fast. It plays much better than the machine that is at Pioneer's Bar, which is another Super LE that has no playfield protector. And that playfield is dimpled beyond belief. The game plays much slower than mine. Um, and, you know, I, I, I fail to see how a Playfield protector is not the way to go. As, you know, and my game's brand new now. It will always be brand new if I just put on a new playfield protector or I pull it off. Um, but I just think for you guys out there, I would look at these playfield protectors. All right, what else is going on in pinball? Um, the other part that people talked about in that Steve Ritchie video, and then I'll close the loop on this, is he's a little condescending. And I don't think Steve getting up there and being like, oh, these pinball newbies don't know what they're talking about. Uh, you know, man, like you can talk about this stuff, Steve, without being like, you're, you know, so much because you've been doing it for so long. There's something going on with the dimples, right? People have a point. You can have an older Stern that has no dimples and then a newer one that just becomes like a crater face immediately. So what's, what's happened, Steve? Like, why do people who have multiple games in their lineup, Steve, that come from Stern, what's the deal? Why do newer games have more dimples? I think George Gomez said it. He's like, people really like the shiny glass-like clear coat um, that goes on a game and that will dimple more. All right, let's move on because I'm so bored of Dimplegate. Let's talk about highway pinball, everyone's favorite topic. So highway pinball, what, you know, look, we talked about Andrew Highway's hydrofoil company, uh, but I have to say this. 
I think the big question mark people have with highway pinball right now is when they're getting their games. And I don't know why it continues to be a mystery about when these games are getting on a ship and going to Cointaker in the US. I just don't understand why there's confusion about if it's happened or not. So here's the thing. I think we can safely say there is no ship that is heading to America with your Alien Ellie pinball machine on it. It's just, it's, it hasn't happened, all right? Now, why don't they do this? this? They should do this. They should make the games and they should put them on Andrew Highway's hydrofoil and announce to the world that your game will be delivered in two weeks. Follows our ethos that we want to be able to man manufacture as much as possible in two weeks. 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 <laughs> 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 All joking aside, though, it, does it even matter if this game gets on a ship? And what I mean by that is that those people who have an alien pinball machine are having nothing but problems with the game. And, and, and I, you know, it's, it's quite clear that whatever engineering things they've done since these new owners took over like a year ago, like it was like last March, April when these new investors came on board, they're still having a lot of issues with the manufacturing of this game. And we, we saw that Brad got his new game from the, you know, this was one of the new builds of Highway Pinball. He got a replacement alien pinball machine and Brad is in Texas. He's a friend of Blake's, he's a friend of mine, and he's had nothing but issues with the game. And it's like, what, what, what? And then I'm reading the thread now and he's sort of trying to problem solve it. And he's done a bunch and he ultimately had a disconnect the Xeno head from the game to be able to play the machine with friends when they came over. And he's like, I'm happy to report the game was playing great. The only issue I had was I had to disconnect the Xeno head. But other than that, the game's playing okay right now. And it's like, Brad, your main mechanism doesn't work. The game isn't playing all right right now. I mean, how do you play Alien Pinball and disconnect the Xeno head? I mean, that that's like turning off the magnetic ring in Lord of the Rings. It's like stopping the Batman, you know, table from rotating. I, I just think it's so sad that this game isn't really working correctly and they've had so many attempts to make this thing work. And then I was reading um, on the highway thread and another owner, he wrote this. He goes, I have um, the standard number 82. Can anyone tell me if this is the second run? I was told it is. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought it. I was told all the issues were resolved. He writes, too many problems to list. Zero, um, Zeno doesn't catch ball, and the list starts from there. The distributor has picked it up to fix it now after numerous attempts to fix it manually and software fixes, right? Okay, so this is a new owner. The machine has broken down, and the distributor has to pick it up. Now, I, I just, I, at what point, at what point, does this, you know, there's a phrase people keep using to refer to this company and, and Dutch Pinball, and that phrase is dumpster fire. And at what point do we get tired of reading about these companies' inability to either ship a game or ship a game that is up to the quality of modern pinball? And you've been waiting forever for your alien LEs. And I can't, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. I think the same thing is probably going to happen over at Dutch Pinball. 
they're going to manage to get out like a, you know, like a, maybe a few hundred more, a couple hundred more to all those people who are waiting, who already paid for this machine. And then what's going to happen is you're going to have all these issues with those machines. Cause if you think your game is going to arrive and not have the same issues that have plagued all these other games, you're dead wrong. And, and, and here's the scary part. Here's the scary part. We're having this many issues and so few games have shipped. Now, let's go back to that Stern video when they went down the row of all those Iron Maidens. Stern ships out hundreds of machines a day and very, very few machines have issues. Very, very few. Highway Pinball sends out so little machines and so many of them have issues. Now, multiply that times 10. Imagine if Highway Pinball shipped out 10 times more machines than they currently have. You're going to have 10 times more issues occurring with those machines because they're all coming from the same place. And as much as people want to like cross their fingers and hope they're going to get a machine without any issues, how can you feel good about receiving a product that is clearly, clearly got just engineering issues? And they've been trying to re-engineer it to fix the issues. But again, it's not going to work out. I, I think you're going you're gonna to get a game that's constantly going to have issues. And there's nothing fun about having a pinball machine with issues. And when you do have an issue, here's the other part. If you do have an issue with a Stern pinball machine or a Jersey Jack pinball machine or a Spooky pinball machine or an American pinball pinball machine, if you have issues with those games, you will be taken care of pretty much immediately. If you have an issue with your highway pinball game or your Dutch pinball game, do you really think you're going to get help or assistance quickly? Do you really think that's going to happen? And there is nothing worse than a machine that's not functioning properly. It's pointless. It is pointless to own a pinball machine when something on it isn't working. All right. So I just think, look, at some point, these guys need to be better at communicating what's going on and when it's going on. And I also think Cointaker is once again stuck in the middle of this dumpster fire where like Melissa and Chris like don't know exactly what's happening and and. You know, because they told people the ship would have sailed by now with the LEs on it, and here we are, and there's no machines. And the excuse that uh, Highway Pinball is telling people is, oh, because of the armor trim issue, um, there's a delay. And we've been saying this from the very beginning. It was absolutely idiotic for them not to make the LE just one standard color for the armor, right? This whole dumb like blue or green or black is a nightmare for them to just run all the LEs, right? When Stern makes Iron Maiden pinball, they're going to make 500 LEs and they're going to run them at once and they're, and they're going to order 500 red powder coated armors for those games. They're, they don't have to go down like, oh, we have to do the blacks and the reds and the greens and the purples and the blues. You know, it's like so stupid. And I'm, they had such an easy opportunity to fix it. They still haven't told people, you know, what's going on with like the reimbursement for the, you know, the new, like no Eli, like lighted ramps on the game. I, the whole thing, I, you can tell, can you tell, I'm, I'm getting upset on a Sunday morning. I'm going to stop. I'm going to move on to the other pinball company that always calms me down, Dutch Pinball. All right, so Dutch Pinball, we, we heard from them again. 
And it was, it was kind of funny because Kim Mitchell shared what their email was. And we haven't heard from them in like seven weeks. So here is the latest update from Dutch Pinball. I want to read it to you guys. It says, welcome to another update on the status of the production of the Big Lebowski Pinball. Well, let's just stop there. <laughs> Sorry. I want to stop there. They, these guys should never use the word production. They, they should stop because they haven't produced shit in years. So stop using the word production. I'm so sick and tired. What they should use is here's your update on us trying to get something going because we know we've failed horribly with your expectations. All right. The email then goes on to say the coming weeks are quite exciting as we are nearing the final phase for the production to start. We expect the last paperwork to be ready next week, and then we have green light to start production. Right? These guys have already used the word production like three times. I just said they should not use it. There is no production. Um, they go on to say, this means parts can be ordered. The production line is being prepared as well as all the work instructions, drawings, and many other details that are needed for assembly. In the previous update, we said we expect production to begin April, May. This has changed a little bit and we now expect it to be May, June. All right, I want to stop there on this timeline because, um, you know, these, first of all, these guys always talk in this like kind of cavalier, like, you know, upbeat tone and there's absolutely nothing upbeat or, uh, or, or jovial uh, that people feel who went in on this game. Let's talk about the date. So April, May was the original date they gave. No, actually the original date they said for production to begin with, with China was December of 2017. So we're already at December, January, February, March, April. Okay. We're, we're five months past the initial date they said they were going to get games on the line. Okay. Okay. Half a year. You know, what's a half a year when you've been waiting, you know, for so many years anyway, right? Um, so here's the thing. Here's what I want to call bullshit on this email because they told us in a previous, in a previous um, newsletter that some of the parts will require f a few months to get in. All right. A few months, which means like at, at least like three months for those parts to be made. And we know that those parts have not yet been made or ordered. Okay. So if that is the case and it is now April 8th today, right? Then when do we think the earliest games could be manufactured and, and go into production? So so let's say at minimum three months. So that's April. So it's May, June, July at the earliest. Now they said they expect production to be May, June. So that doesn't even seem feasible. So what will probably happen is what always happens with Dutch Pinball is we'll get another newsletter in May or April. Um, sorry, not, not April because it's April now. We'll get one in, in May that will probably say update. We are still waiting for parts, but good news, right? production's about to ramp up. It's same, same thing. The, the ramp up to production, the ramp up to production for this game, it feels like that, um, if you ever see Fast and the Furious, which one was it, like seven? Or the one where there's like, they're, they're on a airplane runway at the end of it, and, and the scene takes place for like 10 minutes while they're chasing after a plane, and someone did the math and was like, for this scene to actually happen, that, air, that, that runway would need to be like 
80 miles long. And like, that's what this feels like. This ramp up to production feels like it, it could go all the way from New York City to the Netherlands. That's how long this ramp would be that these guys are on. Um, but look, I, look, I just don't think they're being honest. I just don't think that's a realistic time frame. And I think they keep doing this. And here's why I think they're doing this. I think they're putting these dates that feel really close so that new people will invest. So the big question mark continues to be who are going to get these initial games are they going to go to the old early achievers or are they going to go to new people who fork over ten thousand dollars to coin taker or other distributors and i think we know the answer to that question it, it, people are going to cut the line i don't think early achievers are going to get their games anytime soon but their email's not done i want to i want to read the rest of it and then i'll shut up and then i'll comment at the end they go on to say in the last update we also told you that engineering sample number four was almost on its way to our headquarters. A week later, the game arrived without any damage. And even more important, the game worked perfectly. It sounds like they were expecting it to be damaged. Okay, I'll go on. We also came across this very cool video tutorial of the Big Lebowski pinball from Bowen Cairns, which shows you it will be worth the wait. This game will be yours. We will come with a new update in a few weeks or when there's other significant news. P.S. There is a rumor that Barry was hit by a car. Fortunately, this is not true. Barry is fine. Barry and Yop with a little wink. All right. I don't know about you guys. Whenever I get like the humor from these guys, I, I literally want to like punch my computer screen. I like literally. Why do they keep injecting humor into this. They took people's hard-earned money years ago and have given them shit. They said they would do updates every two weeks and they haven't. They won't give people refunds. If they can't afford to refund people's money, how can they afford to buy the parts for this new production? It is. This is another just never-ending dumpster fire. And what is them watching a video of Bowen Kearns have to do with anything? Oh, wow. Look, someone played a machine that we made like four years ago that you have been waiting forever for and trust it's, it's going to be worth the wait. People do, look, look, Barry and Yop, let me, let me talk to you guys directly. Everyone else just shut this podcast down. I want to talk to, to these two guys directly right now. Barry and Yop, get your shit together, all right? Stop making jokes. Stop telling us the game is going to be worth the wait. People want your machine. They paid for it. They paid their hard-earned money for it. And you've been fumbling this thing now for two years almost. It's almost been two years since you failed to pay ARA for what you say was this like completely unfair thing they did to you. Now, I have a... I think it's bullshit at this point, guys, because how was it not easier to just maybe raise the price of the big Lebowski and let people decide if they wanted to stay in because manufacturing such an intricate and complex machine actually cost more than any of you originally thought. And maybe you should have done that. And maybe you should have told people, look, Big Lebowski is going to be $12,000 and we're only going to make 400 of them. And that's the cost. And we're sorry that we had to increase the price, but that's what ARA and we came to the conclusion on. And here's what would have happened. You would have sold all 400 Big Lebowskis at $12,000 
dollars overnight. And here's the other thing that would happen. People would have been playing their big Lebowski's for the last two years versus sitting around, you know, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for your updates that are always the same. It's like production's always about to begin. And look, the way you talk about it, you know, machines coming from China, it's almost like I guarantee, it's almost like you're guaranteeing us that machines are going to arrive either damaged or with issues. Nobody wants a pinball machine coming all the way from China. Nobody. Nobody wants to send a machine that far. Nobody. All right. And you're going to guarantee quality. Oh, look, I'm done. I'm done. If look, here's the thing. I'm going to do some of the old Canada right now. If these guys can ship a big Lebowski machine by June, right? This is all right. They said May, June, right? By June of 2018. If Barry and Yop can, you know, can make it happen, I will, and I'm going on the record, I will give whoever gets that first game. Brenda's looking at me because we've got a wedding to plan for. I will give that first person. $500, right? Just, I will just give it to them with a note that says, congratulations, we should celebrate this moment. Here's $500. That's how confident I am that no big Lebowski games are going to ship in June of 2018. Brenda, I think our wedding is going to be safe. All right, let's, let's, here's the other fun part. Let's, let's do this exercise. Since the big Lebowski pinball was announced and since Barry and Yop took your money on the Big Lebowski, all right? This was in 2014. Since they said their game was going into production, these are the games that have come out that you could have bought and enjoyed pinball over um, instead of having your money frozen at Dutch Pinball. Let me go down the list and read you all the games, and I'm gonna do this quickly, that you could have. All right, Game of Thrones Pro, WrestleMania Pro, Legend, Legends of WrestleMania, Medieval Madness Remake, Woe Nelly Big Juicy Melons, Kiss Pro, The Walking Dead Premium, Kiss Limited Edition, Kiss Premium, Game of Thrones Limited Edition, Game of Thrones Premium, Medieval Madness Remake, um, Standard Edition, Spider-Man Vault Edition, Ghostbusters Pro, Ghostbusters Limited Edition, Ghostbusters Premium, The Paps Can Crusher, Spider-Man Home Edition, Batman 66 Limited Edition, Batman 66 Premium, Batman 66 Super Limited Edition, Aerosmith Pro, Aerosmith Limited, Aerosmith Premium, ACDC Pro Vault Edition, Star Wars Pro, ACDC Premium Vault Edition, Star Wars Premium, Star Wars Limited Edition, Gardens of the Galaxy Pro, Gardens of the Galaxy Premium, Gardens of the Galaxy Limited Edition, ACDC Lucy Vault Edition, um, Iron Maiden Pro, The Hobbit Standard Edition, The Hobbit Black Arrow Special Edition, The Hobbit Motion Picture Trilogy Limited Edition, The Hobbit Smog Gold Special Edition, Dialed In Limited Edition, Dialed In Standard Edition, Dialed In Collector's Edition, Medieval Madness Remake Limited Edition, Medieval Madness Remake Standard Edition, Attack from Mars Special Edition, Attack from Mars Special Limited Edition, Rob Zombie, Alice Cooper, Night Total Nuclear Annihilation, Jetsons, Dominoes, P3, Houdini, Magic Girl, Alien, Thunderbirds. I just read for you, that was like 55 or 56 titles that you could have bought instead of having your money locked up with Barry and Yop. Let's give them, let's give an applause to Barry and Yop, ladies and gentlemen who walked in to Pinball Expo in 2014 and shit all over Stern Pinball, said they were gonna do this and got people's money. Great job, guys, great job. You guys really, really, you, you, you crushed it, you crushed it. All right, let's move on to Chicago Gaming Company because here's something that people have been talking about and this is another interesting you know, topic and then we're gonna go to your user feedback. All right, so was it, was it a mistake 
for Chicago Gaming Company to announce all the titles they were going to remake. And because they missed revealing their next game at Texas Pinball Festival, I think people are starting to get a little upset. And here's why. Because Stern has shown Iron Maiden. Um, uh, Spooky showed Alice Cooper. And people want to know if they should wait or go in on one of the new titles. And it's almost like... In a world where Stern has a monopoly, it kind of made sense that Stern would always be secretive about their future titles because they didn't want people to, to, to wait, right? They wanted people to buy every new Stern game. And that's why Stern today continues to not tell you what the next games are going to be, even though I'm here to tell you right now, it's Deadpool, it's Monsters, it, it's Beatles. So you know, like, that, that's what's next. They, it must be a thorn in their side every time I say that, but that's just the reality of what's coming out from Stern this year. If I'm wrong, again... I'm not. I'm right. Trust me. All right. There might be a title in there that I don't know about, but that's what's happening. All right. But here's the thing. Chicago Gaming Company won't confirm for people um, which one of the list of titles they said they're going to remake it's going to be. Is it Monster Bash? Is it Cactus Canyon? Is it Circus Voltaire? Is it Big Bang Bar? And I think that's upsetting people. Now, the other thing is, I mean, who cares? Who cares? You know all the games they're going to potentially remake. Um, if you want one of them, then wait for them. I do think it's kind of annoying that all they've accomplished by putting that list together is they've basically screwed over everyone who owns those old titles now is trying to dump them or knows they're going down in value. And they basically like sort of hurt the secondhand market on those titles. If you want proof of that, just go on eBay and type in pinball and see the amount of monster bashes that are up for sale now. It is like the most prevalent game that people are trying to dump because they're all afraid it's going to be the next title. Uh, and then the same thing will happen with Cactus Canyon. We already saw the fire sale where people were trying to get out of their Cactus Canyons for like $12,000. We're going to see the same thing with Circus Voltaire. It's, it's just never ending. Um, but look, I, I really, it, it's their company. They can run it the way they want. Would I have told you it's Monster Bash without showing it? No. Like, sorry guys, like, be a little patient. I wouldn't show my product until it's done. And I think if you're impatient and you don't know where to put your money, then just hold on to your money. But I, if I was a company, I would not, I would not reveal my next title until I was ready to unveil it, because you only get one chance to have that big hype. All right, last point before I go to your emails are Spooky Pinball. Um, I hear Al's Cooper orders are coming in and they're it's doing very well. Um, but I did hear that they haven't taken money from people yet. So that's interesting because I thought that people were going to have to plunk down a thousand dollars non-refundable to get on the list for Alice Cooper. So I don't think Charlie's going to announce like it's sold out. He may announce that we have 500 names, but I can guarantee when they go to collect the non-refundable thousand dollars that people will drop off. Now he probably has a list maybe even longer than 500. Then he goes to the next on the list, um, but it's not real. Nothing is real until you actually get the non-refundable deposit. Then you can say you've sold it. Right? The game is sold when you get that non-refundable. It's kind of like Jersey Jack with their collector's editions. You know, everyone's like, it's sold out. It's not sold out, guys. I, I think the guys who go in on these collector's editions want to feel that. Iron Maiden LE is sold out. It, you can't get one. If you want to get a collector's edition, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, you can go get it tomorrow. You can go get a collector's edition dialed in tomorrow. They're not sold out. All right. Now, people might have deposits on them, but here's the thing with all the Pirates of the Caribbean deposits. They're all refundable. 
So a $1,000 collector's edition deposit on Pirates of the Caribbean collector's edition, does that mean it's sold out if they have, you know, if they've collected $200,000? No, because all that $200,000 can, can be refunded tomorrow with no penalty whatsoever. Um, but Charlie's system has a penalty. You lose your deposit. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's go to your emails. I think it's time. This Sunday podcast is going on a little longer than I wanted to. And I have to leave in a little bit to go see Ready Player One. All right. I think this was, I didn't read this one. I got an email from Gene. Gene, thanks for listening to the show about Texas Pinball Festival rooms. And he writes, hey, Chris, today Texas Pinball Festival announced that they had rooms blocked um, for Texas Pinball Festival 2019. Within one hour, it was completely sold out. I think that's bullshit. I'm sure vendors have an allotment for a room, understandable, but for the attending public to get a room at Embassy, apparently you have to be within the one hour window to get a room, WTF. This is going to be 2019, and if Texas Pinball Festival can't get a place where we can all get a room to stay at the festival, it's time to switch venues. I prefer being at the venue so I can drink and enjoy myself. If my wife wants to go to the room while I stay up and play pinball, she can. Instead, now I have to deal with going to another hotel at the end of the evening. My big question here is how big is the room block for TPF? I can't imagine everyone on Pinside was ready for the TPF Facebook announcement to get a room. It's obvious they have a small number of rooms for you know to sell out in an hour. Anyway, I guess I'll be staying at the freaking Drury Inn again. Thanks for the podcast, Chris. I work out uh, in the oil field and I'm alone most of the day. Your podcast is awesome and it makes my day easier. Thanks again, Gene Q. All right. He said, P.S. I've tried booking a room at the NBC Suite for 2019 and 2020 festival. Um, no rooms sold out. Go ahead and try. Ridiculous. All right. So, Gene, first of all, thank you for listening. I'm glad this podcast helps you on the oil fields uh, get through the day. What do I think about TPF rooms being sold out? Um, look, I think it's a great thing that this show is so popular that it sells out so quickly. I don't know how many rooms Ed had set aside. I don't know like what you do. I mean, I, I again, like... It, it, I can't say it's bullshit that their show is so freaking popular that it sells out in an hour. It's like saying, man, Guns N' Roses, why'd you make such good music that your concert sells out in like three minutes? Like, that's such bullshit. I want to be able to go. Like, it, it's just a fact of life that the more popular something is, the faster it sells out. It could be me. It, it's like me saying, Stern, why didn't you make more Iron Maiden LEs? It's such bullshit that only 500 are being made. I mean, you know, it's it, it's it is what it is. I think I, I think the venue's huge. I don't think you kind of want a bigger venue. Uh, I don't even know if like many bigger venues even exist. <laughs> like you know, it's a big hotel. There's a lot of rooms in there. Um, I, I I bet they don't have the whole hotel. They might open up other blocks. Um, but here's the thing. There are so many hotels that are literally so close, like literally like across the street from the embassy suites that if you have to book somewhere else, it literally is like a five minute walk, guys, at most. So, you know, I don't know, like it's not a big deal. It really isn't it, it going back and forth. And it's not like the rooms in any of these hotels are nice. They're all kind of like dumpy basic hotel rooms okay so I, th I think that's my take on it i'm glad they have a successful show i i don't think there's anything you can do if, if it sells out it sells out all right i got more top fives from people i'm gonna go down these quickly peter gersten peter thank you for listening to the show he said chris my top five 
He gave five instead of three. He said Jaws, Back to the Future, Godfather, Predator, and Kill Bill. All right. All right. But with all of these, it's how it's executed. Well, all right, Peter. Well, I think I think I might have read Peter's before. All right. Kevin Sanborn wrote Late to the Party. He wrote The Fifth Element, Back to the Future, and Reservoir Dogs. So The Fifth Element to me is, is I think, would sell out sight unseen. I think that movie's so cool. What I love about The Fifth Element, it has everything you need. It has you know, Bruce Willis. It's got like the most amazing soundtrack. It's got like the most amazing storyline. It's got so many famous like one-liner call-outs that would be perfect for pinball. Can you imagine like that, that sort of like uh, that opera scene at the end, like that song with pinball going in multiball, and she's like doing the whole like, oh, 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 oh. that's my worst attempt at singing that song. Uh, but I think the fifth element, what I love too is it's, it's one movie. And I think when you have one amazing epic movie, you can bring it to life much easier than having to do like three, four movies within a franchise. So I think fifth element is not one we've heard. And because we didn't hear it very much, does that mean that it wouldn't be good? I also think The Fifth Element is a 90s movie, which is why we didn't hear it from people because I asked for 80s movies. Kevin, stick with it. Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, maybe. I got an email from John who said Kill Bill. And then there's an image that says Kill Bill, save the date to celebrate the whole bloody... So I think Kill Bill, the game, is going to be at the Golden State Pinball Festival May 18th to the 20th. Uh, I think they're making like a custom Kill Bill machine. And then he sent me uh, what looks like it says Bill with some, uh, looks like the play field, a little bit of the play field art. So, so John, I look forward to seeing what you guys do with, with the Kill Bill machine. All right. I, I actually, I got an email from Robert Mueller from Deep Root. <laughs> right. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it um, word for word because I, I respect that Robert and I have a little bit of a off the record sort of lingo going and I want to continue that. Um, but he basically said, and in, in, I'll paraphrase, that it was painful listening to my podcast on licensing because I don't know what I'm talking about, um, that it is a lot harder to get uh, you know, the voices, the clips, the call-outs, then, then, you know, then, then I'm indicating. Um, he said he's gone after many of the titles that, I, that people have mentioned, which is really interesting. Uh, he also said that we're going to see real licensing issues with um, Jersey Jack's Willy Wonka in Toy Story, which I know could be a problem for people. And I really hope we don't get a Toy Story that has like a compromise in getting the license attached to it. Um, but I said to him, I said to him this, and I I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you what I responded to Robert. I said, "Well, speaking of painful, Robert, um, how has it been working with J-pop and getting Magic Girl working? Uh, any update there?" And he didn't give me any update. So maybe that means things are going well. Maybe it means things are not. Um, but look, as I've said before, I, I have no, I, I have no beef with Robert or Deep Root. I think that people are excited to see what they show at Texas Pinball Festival next year. And I do like the fact that they've gone quiet. Go work on it. Go make it happen. Don't talk to us every week. Don't give us like email updates. And they don't owe anyone anything really because they haven't taken anyone's money. Now you could argue that they owe some updates for the Raza guys, but maybe they are giving those guys updates behind the scenes. I doubt it because those people would usually share those updates with me. Um, but I do, you know, I do appreciate Robert whenever you reach out and happy to keep talking about how things are going. All right, Aaron Nicholas gave me his three, Time Bandits, The Last Starfighter, and Fright Night. 
Um, all right. I think out of any of those, The Last Starfighter would be the most popular. I don't think The Last Starfighter, though, sells out sight unseen. I, I, I just, I don't. I don't think it's that big. Um, Eric Gordon. Eric, thank you for listening. He wrote my top three are Super Mario World, Beavis and Butthead, and NBA Jam. Eric, thank you. Those are all titles from the 90s, I think, except for Super Mario World. Uh, I don't, Beavis and Butthead, maybe, I don't, I don't know. I kind of don't think that that show has aged very well. Um, NBA Jam, no, I don't think any of these, again, the filter was, would these sell out sight unseen? Um, Scott Drager wrote, hey, Canada, I'd still love to chat marketing. I think I wrote, th- I wrote this one. I uh, read this, sorry, I wrote this one. I think I read this one. Sorry, guys. I'm like, I need more coffee. Ryan Guler said, or sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, Ryan, um, Wu-Tang, Blade Runner, and The Fifth Element, um, multi-pass, multi-ball. Um, Wu-Tang, I, look, I love rap music. I've, say, I've been saying for a while that pinball doesn't, um, doesn't have any like ethnicity baked into any of its decision-making. But again, like this is not like, but it's not being me being racist. It's just like, if you go to a pinball show, um, you are going to see predominantly people that I don't think are that into rap music. And, and that's me being very politically correct. It's the same thing if you made a pinball machine that was tailored towards women. I don't think it would sell very well. I, I just, I really don't. Um, maybe some people would buy them for gifts for their wives. But for the most part, I think the demographic for pinball is pretty clear who it is. You know, someone emailed me and said, Chris, you, you 80s titles, like most of the pinball buyers are older than you think. And I, I don't know, man. I think 80s is the sweet spot. I really do. I think 70s, you, you lose you lose more people when you go into 70s themes versus 80s themes, okay? All right, so then I wrote, uh, let's see, Keith Humphrey wrote, Chris, I meant to email on this sooner. I didn't hear you mention or even other podcasts on the subject, but Scooby-Doo is a theme they need to make now. Not sure why this hasn't been discussed, but there is so much you could do with the theme. It's a theme um, both my 35-year-old wife and 7-year-old daughter would love, and me as well. Scooby-Doo spans the decades from the 70s to today and could be enjoyed equally by both sexes. Looking at pics of Alice Cooper makes me think something in that vein would work great and spooky um, should probably do it. I think this would be a a take my money now theme for a lot of folks. Okay, so Scooby, Scooby Scooby-Doo, where are you, right? Where is the Scooby-Doo pinball machine? Um, Do I think Scooby-Doo sells out sight unseen? Limited edition Scooby-Doo... You know, I just, I don't think so. Like, I love Scooby-Doo. I love the Flintstones. I love the Jetsons. I love all the Hanna-Barbera stuff. Super, super popular. Um, I just don't think that those animated shows sell out um, as quickly as, like, He-Man, as quickly as uh, Transformers, if it was the original. I I just, I don't, they, they just, they weren't as big. They weren't as big. Maybe they were as big. Maybe someone's going to fact check me on that. But I, again, I just, I do think they're better for the full family. And I agree with you. Um, but again, we're talking sight unseen. All right. Let's see. I got an email from Mario. Um, Mario wrote, hey, Canada, after hearing um, his dad's email readout on the previous show, Alex, my eight-year-old son, was a bit upset that he didn't get to tell you his choice of pin, but rather um, than write, he wanted to send you an audio message. Okay, so there's a clip here to his audio message. I'm gonna have to play this. He's been into pinball since I got a Twilight Zone and Star Trek. 
the next generation for the family earlier this year. And since there has been cons constantly playing pinball, both physically and virtually on Pinball Arcade and Zen Pinball, he also has a deep interest in design and can tell you the designers of many of the classic pinball machines. In fact, most of the day, he is coming up with his own ideas for pinball machines and the features he'd like to see. Kids like Alex are the next generation of pinball players and designers and give me hope that the game can live on for a long time to come. Well, Mario, I think it's amazing that your eight-year-old son is super into pinball and, and, and I, I agree. I think there needs to be the next generation of pinball designers and the only way they will uh, come about is if they fall in love with pinball when they are young. Um, he then goes on to say, hope you can play the message, and if not, at least let him know you heard it. All right, I'm going to do right now, I'm going to hit pause on this podcast, and I'm going to download this message, and I'm going to just put it into the podcast right now so we can all hear at the same time what themes um, your eight-year-old son would love to get in pinball. So let's do it right now. Hello, Canada, and... Uh I'm called Alex. I live in Cyprus. I'm eight years old, and these are my three questions. Uh, these are my three uh, pinballs that I want to uh, tell you that would be good in my mind. I think my number one choice would be Jumanji, and I think Pat Nola should design it because he can choose the toys. He's very good at adding toys like there could be a rhino or a snake and something like that. I think my second choice would be probably Rocky, a remake, because you can you can choose who you fight and if you choose Clubber Lang it shows up his face. If you choose Apollo Creed, Clubber Lang's face goes down and Apollo Creed comes up. There's a game that's similar called Champions Pub and it's so it's a similar, but I made it a little bit different that you could choose who you want to fight. The Champions Pub, they have one face only. We switch. I think in my game, we will have six, like six movies on Rocky. There's six opponents that he fights. I think I will cut out the fifth one because he's fighting Tommy Gunn in the street, but... I think I would cut out that one if I was designing that one. Because that one's a bit rubbish. I think Ryan Edgy should design Rocky because it will be fun and fast like Attack from Mars and Medieval Madness. And I played it on Pinball Arcade. The first choice I think will be English Premier League football, as Americans say, soccer. Both be really cool features that you can play the whole season and you can you can choose the team that you support. You can save where you left off. For example, you you the, you can pick the team that you support is which one you can choose. And my team is Arsenal because my dad was born there. So I could play the season as Arsenal and I could save it and carry on where I left off. I think J-Pop should be the designer of Premier League because, because it's fun. <laughs> and because the, because the Arabian Nights and Theatre Magic World Cup Soccer are really fun pins and 
And the Premier League would be a good pin with uh, with J Pop uh, designing it. I think another choice would be World of Warcraft because. Uh, because there's dungeons and I think Josie Jack should make it because there's dungeons and bosses and you could choose the character and you could only do the dungeons and bosses for Risen Road. And my brothers play it and I think Josie Jack should design it. Do you think it would be a really cool, a cool pin and be fun to play because I think it would and I think someone should design it. Thank you, Kanada. Hope you play this and I listen to your podcast all the time. Bye. Oh my God. I, I think I just found my new favorite listener. Um, Alex, that was incredible. Incredible. I mean, there's more creativity coming from Alex's ideas than almost all these pinball manufacturers that are happening currently. I, I really think someone needs to hire Alex at age eight to be creative director. So uh, you hear me, uh, George Gomez, you hear me, Jersey Jack, sign this kid up. What I also need to do, I need to, Alex, I need to get you on the show. You, I, I would actually love to hear his take on pinball and new pinball releases more than anybody really. I, I really feel like him and I, together could have like one of the most greatest pinball conversations so i'm i'm asking um alex i'm asking your dad if he'll allow you to come on the show and join um canada's pinball podcast but i love those ideas i do love those ideas and i love the way you articulate them i mean this guy's more articulate than ryan and marty i mean this is incredible um i also love the rocky idea of like picking who you fight and they pop up and you're fighting clubber lang or Ivan drago i think rocky would be great um i love that you clarified that we can you know it's called soccer <laughs> in, in america um like i think those are all really great themes um but i also just love the passion and hearing from young pinball enthusiasts like yourself is is, is it's refreshing it's refreshing we always hear from like these old curmudgeon dudes who seem to complain about everything but i also love about alex's take on stuff he's not afraid to call stuff rubbish and i love the word rubbish I mean, I got to start using that more in my podcast. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I can't top that. I cannot top that. We have to end this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast with with Alex's great, great, great message to the pinball community. Everyone, have a really, really great um, week. We'll be back on air real shortly.